we are in the middle of a sermon series entitled Love Reigns. And we started on Sunday, April the 4th, which of course was Easter. We read about Jesus being mocked, how he was beaten. They put a crown of thorns upon his head, threw a purple robe around him and mocked him, calling him the king of the Jews. And we were reminded that the proof of his authority was not in avoiding the cross, but in defeating the cross, the result of the cross, namely his resurrection from the dead. Last week, we were encouraged to know that when we were united with Christ, by placing our trust and faith, the confession and repentance of sins in Him, we became a new creation. Therefore, our past no longer defines us, no longer has control of us, or has a hold on us. We realize again that it's the love of God that caused Jesus to endure the cross. And it's the love of God that forgives us our past. Now today we're going to continue on by looking at how love reigns in our presence. Because of God's great mercy, we can live lives that honor Him. It comes down to who are we listening to? Do you remember the game Simon Says? It became real popular. We even have a TV show, if I recall correctly. So let's, let's just do that. Now I say Simon Says... You do what I tell you to do. <laughs> but if I don't tell you Simon says, you can't do it. You ready? Simon says, clap your hands. I didn't tell you to stop. Simon says, stop. Simon says, stomp your feet. Simon says, stop. Simon says, look up. Simon says, look down. Stop. Oh, you looked better that time. That's that's a, this a... A short illustration to remind us who we're listening to because especially today, there's thousands of voices being thrown at us through advertising, through all sorts of media, radio, newspaper, magazines, TV, movies, you name it. And every day, we make thousands of choices. How long did it take for you to pick out what you're going to wear this morning? Man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> or had the discussion with your wife. No, that looks good, honey. Wear that. No, I don't like that. We're constantly making these decisions, right? These choices and weighing out all the options to determine what we think is best. And some of our choices or influenced by what we're told to do. We find ourselves being obedient to voices around us that not necessarily have our best interests in mind. However, God's love gives us another option, another choice. To listen to His voice so that we may make the best decision possible right now in the present. You see, point number one, your choices, my choices, reveal who reigns in our lives. The things we choose to do or not to do show or demonstrate who we are listening to. You could basically say our lives are largely made up of the choices that we make. 
this can be a painful test to see whom or what has our allegiance. We look back on those past choices we have made. How many were results to our simple desires? How many of those choices were a result of listening to the world? And how many choices were a result of listening to and being obedient to the voice of God? Now, the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about living our lives under the influence of God rather than living our lives under the influence, under the influence of the world. And he immediately focuses, or excuse me, frequently focuses on this topic because as followers of Christ, people who have responded to the love of God, that love ought to now reign in our lives and rule over every decision, choice that we make every day. However, sadly, perhaps even tragically, that is not the case. Let's read Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present body, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And by the way, as a side note, that word in the Greek that translated transform is where we get our root metamorphosis. So that you may prove. Why do you want to be transformed? Look what it says. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He's reminding us the instruction he's about to give us has to be put in proper uh, point of view. We have to look at our life through a specific lens, if you will, in order for us to grasp how we are to live this new life. It's really based on your point of view. You know, my wife and I have made three or four trips to New York City, and you'll see a picture here of top of the rock, that's in Rockefeller Center, we're on top of the building looking out. That's actually looking north, that's uh, Central Park there in front. I know I'm looking north because I don't see the uh, new building they built after 9-11, the World Trade, I forget what it's called now, but you don't see that. So I see looking north off the uh, Rockefeller Center, but the next picture you'll see, you pan down, go to the next one, you see that metal thing right there, that person standing, that lady standing right beside? I think it's, I don't know what it's really called, but I always call it a viewfinder. So as you're standing on that building, you're looking out, you see the great view that we had. Well, you put a little bit of money in that, and that thing really zooms in. And man, you can see people walking in Central Park. You can check out what color curtains people have. You can see them working in the office. You can see people. I mean, it really opens your eyes. Wow, look what's all really here. You start seeing all the fine details. In other words, my point of view has changed. Instead of looking at one big one like this, I'm focusing in, and it changes my point of view. And that's what Paul is telling us in verse 1. Change the way you see your life, your present situation, or circumstance. Look back in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, here it comes, 
by the mercies of God. That is the lens, brothers and sisters, we need to look at our life through in view of God's mercy. This, that one thing can change your entire life. How many of us grumble and complain over our present circumstances? I guess no one's like me. Thank you, brother. <laughs> we're, we're often not satisfied with our lot in life, so we try to do things on our own. We can try to be in control and do things that please ourselves, but this passage is inviting us to see everything through the mercy of God. God has been and continues to be merciful to each and every one of us. He allowed me to get up this morning. He's commanding the sun to shine this morning. He's providing the oxygen which I can breathe into my lungs and have life. He's allowed me to come gather with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ this morning to go into Bible study and to worship in song and open up His Word. God is so good and merciful. He offered us a fresh start by confessing and repenting of our sins because of His mercy. And God loves each one of us unconditionally because of His mercy. This alone can change our present, okay? By understanding God's mercy can change our present. You don't know how it does that? Because we go from what we want to have done for us, what we want, to the things that God has already done for us. Instead of wishing for what we don't have, we look back and say, oh my, look how merciful God has been in my life. I have a lot to be thankful for. And I would tell you, 2020 seems to be that year that God reached down and just kind of shook the foundations. Hey, Tim, get your focus back on me. Quit complaining what you don't have. Be thankful what you do have because everything you have, Tim, is because of my mercy. And when we turn our attention to the mercy of God, then we are compelled to look at the rest of the verse. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. So when we view all life in God's mercy, we're going to be compelled to live our lives as a living sacrifice. And by the way, a sacrifice or the concept of sacrifice was rich with imagery and history of the original audience he is speaking to. Because a sacrifice involved taking the life of an animal. It could be a goat, a sheep, or a bird. The animal's blood would cover the people's sins. And the animal's life would cover the life of the one performing the sacrifice. It involved death. And it offered up the blood. Now, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, Scripture tells us. So here's, here's the image of this sacrifice. But something had to die. And you look at the sacrificial system. They were always sacrificing time and time again. Read the book of Leviticus. Deuteronomy. Everything was spelled out how they were to do this sacrificial system. And then once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, only the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. Entering into the very presence of God. There was a huge veil. And tradition says they had a rope around his ankle because he had to be pure to go in the presence of God. If he wasn't, he was struck dead in an instant. 
Who's going there after him? No, we're going to pull him out by thy rope. But he would go in and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, the top of the ark, for the forgiveness of sins for the people once a year. Now you speed to where we are today under the new covenant. That's why Jesus' death is considered the ultimate sacrifice for all humanity. Hebrews 9, verses 11 and 12. When Christ appeared as high priest of good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. In other words, Christ went in presence of God himself, presented his own blood, and therefore obtained salvation for all humanity. One sacrifice, once and for all. What happened when Jesus died? Do you remember the veil was ripped from top to bottom, indicating now we have access to God the Father through the blood of Christ. That means you can contact God 24-7 every day. No matter what time it is, you have access, I have access to the very Creator, the very One who made everything that we see. The mountains, the trees, all the animals. But like I told the kids, if you look at the creation account, Genesis 1 and 2, He spoke everything into existence, but when it came to man, He said, let us make man in our image. He reached down and formed man from dust of the earth and breathed into man the breath of life. God formed us with His own two hands. That's what makes man special. And ladies, that includes you. I'm talking about man. I'm talking about mankind. We are are His crowning creation. And because of what Jesus did, we can go into that. So the question still remains, though, why is Paul using this imagery about a living sacrifice? I believe we get a glimpse of this by looking at Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. The psalmist says, For you, talking to God, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite or sorry or remorseful or repentant heart. O God, you will not despise. I believe Psalm 1 is shedding some light for the real reason of the sacrificial system. It doesn't necessarily was the sacrifice itself. It was the heart behind that sacrifice. Remember King and Abel? What happened? It was because of the heart. God didn't consider one greater than the other. It was the heart behind that sacrifice that made the difference. The true sacrifice of a follower of Jesus is a contrite heart and an obedient spirit. That's what God is looking for. Jesus paid the cost. What He's looking at, what's behind it? What's your heart? As you sing songs this morning, maybe one of them, you maybe didn't know any of them, maybe you know some of them, I don't know, but how are you approaching the throne of God? It's all because of your heart. Now, some people say we should have instruments in church. Some people say, well, we can't have instruments in church because God gives that gift to people. That's how they honor God. I will tell you this. It doesn't matter if we had a full choir up here, a full orchestra going. If you're not singing from your heart, it is useless. 
If you're coming to the Bible to prove anything, it's useless. It has to be about your heart. And this passage is saying, live your life in view of God's mercy and it'll be a living sacrifice. And by the way, that's a lot harder than being a dead sacrifice. Think about it. A dead sacrifice doesn't have a choice in the matter. It has to stay on the altar. But a living sacrifice can walk away anytime he or she wants to. And he's telling us, in view of God's mercy, be a living sacrifice. Live a, live a life right now in the present under the rule and reign and be repentant and obedient to God. But it all starts with the mercies of God. By the mercies of God, he says, be living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable to God. And that's not just a one-time action. That's day by day, hour by hour. Dying to yourself. What does that mean, dying to yourself? You, you put everything down that you want. It's all about what He wants you to do. He is the one. It's His will. We'll get to that more in a moment. And in verse 2, you see the result or the outcome of living a sacrificial life. Which comes to our second point. Changing your patterns will tra change your life. With little attention, patterns can be identified. And that's the skill that you learned early from childhood. You'll see some patterns up here. Show the first pattern, if you will. Now, this is easy enough. Based on what you see, what would come next? What color would come next? You have, you have the pattern, like a red, green, yellow, red, green, yellow, red, green. What would come next? That's pretty easy, right? You look at the pattern, you, there's another one. Well, what letter would come next? You have A, B, B, A, B, B, A. What would come next? So you follow it, right? You see this pattern developing. Here's another one. Is there another one? Okay, I took the other one out. I know those are kind of simple. But once you see what's going on, these patterns, you, you can see. And the same is true with our lives. If we pay attention to patterns, or let's call it behavior, if you will, we can begin to anticipate and understand what comes next, and then we can change them. But identify our patterns and behavior. Sometimes we need to change our perspective. That's why the verses start off by telling us by the mercies of God. Because when we understand the mercy of God and His love for us, we find the reason to transform our lives and renew our minds. When you understand how God has been merciful to you, you start reading Scripture and praying, and now you start to be transformed. You start to identify certain changes in your behavior that you want to change. Maybe you've developed a pattern of talking yourself down whenever you make a mistake. Now, I have to be very careful here. I'm not saying we, need, we don't need to confess. We need to confess and have that true, genuine repentance from the heart. Brothers and sisters, have you done that? You confessed it? And maybe you had to confess to another person, look, I, I've asked forgiveness from God. I've sinned against God and you. Have mercy, mercy on me. Please forgive me. We need to let that go. Because that can be a dangerous pattern if you don't forgive yourself. It can be a dangerous pattern whirlpool, if you will, that just will pull you down. 
Because we have this idea of looking at ourselves and time and time again, looking in the mirror and said, you're not worth anything. You can't do anything. You're so you're a Christian, you keep messing up. You listen to that voice, you look in the mirror, it will lead you to feeling depressed and anxious. May I encourage you this morning to break the pattern. Do not be conformed any longer. Maybe you have a notice a pattern of telling lies of people around you, and that leads to more and more lies, leads to a, a deceptive lifestyle. Do not be conformed to it any longer. Maybe you see a pattern of laziness in your life. This produces a spirit of apathy towards your family and to work and to church. In view of God's mercy, do not continue that pattern. Break the pattern and experience new life. And that mercy is available right here, right now. You don't have to get cleaned up. Come to Him and let Him clean you up. Which leads to our next point. Trade your will for God's will. The ultimate outcome of a sacrificial life, living under the mercies of God, and you're renewing your mind is that you're able to distinguish what the will of God is for your present life. That's what the second verse talks about. So that you may know what the will of God is, good and acceptable. Look at the verse. That's what it says. How many of us in this room or watching online have struggled with decisions that we should make wondering what decision to make today about this or that? Many of us want to do what God wants us to do when it comes to loving our family, our career, investing our energy and resources. But the best way to do that is to trade your will for His. What if you were to trade all that time you spend and energy you spend on the old patterns, and yet you start creating new ones? Under the reign of love and mercy in your life, by spending time in prayer, reading Scripture, serving others, listening to the voice of God. God promises to lead you and I and show us what His will is for our lives when we submit to His leadership. That's what He wants. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your money. Yes, I said that. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't need it. He owns everything anyway. He wants your heart. He doesn't care if you have a good voice or you don't think you can sing in tune. He doesn't care about that. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Because He knows once He has that, everything else will come into place. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. There are things that are going to happen that don't make any sense. There's things happening now that I don't make any sense to me. But I know in my heart of hearts, I can trust the Lord. He is not sitting on His throne going, I didn't know Joe Biden was going to be president. Who do you think let Joe Biden be president in the first place? It was him. Nothing catches our God off guard. If it did, he ceased to be God. But he is God. Trust me. Look at the Bible. You ever read, let me just say, you ever read 
the stories in the Old Testament, even the New, going, why didn't they get it? Well, let's speed up. To, let's just focus on the New Testament for a moment. You look at disciples. I can identify with Peter the more and more I live on this earth. Because sometimes I have a bad time of opening my mouth when I should keep it shut. Peter was so zealous. He just, he just wanted to follow God. And you see all these situations happen. I mean, for example, they feed all those people, the 5,000, right? Two loaves, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, and they see it right before their eyes and have 12 baskets full left over. They see this happen. They see all the miracles that Jesus does. They get into the boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. A storm comes up. Jesus is taking a nap. See, guys, you have to be like Jesus and take a nap once in a while. When he's in the boat, he's taking a nap. And that storm raises up. And they get scared. And they wake Jesus up basically, don't you care? Don't you care that we might perish? But yet they just saw everything he just did. You ever think to yourself, why didn't they get it? Hello? Anybody home? We do the very same thing. God proves himself trustworthy time and time and time and time again, and still we doubt. And I'm guilty of this. Roger comes to me with a situation, a circumstance, doesn't matter what it is. And you know what I'll say? Well, the least we can do is pray about it. Why would I say such a thing? The least thing? That's the most important thing we can do, brother. We have audience with the very God who controls everything. If we trust on Him, distrust is a trust that God's love is always seeking the best for us. After all, He created you. He knows what makes you tick. He loves the way you handle problems. How you deal with situations. He made you that way. We hear all the time that God loves us, but God also likes you. He created you. We can rely on that love and obey God because of it. You know, trust is a very hard thing to teach and even a harder thing to learn. But if we're going to live the full life God has for us, we have to trust His love for us and let that love reign in our lives over our present. So we have to let go of the past. Sometimes that I means we have to deal with issues in the past. Sometimes that means coming and confessing stuff that we have forgotten about and giving it over to God and letting go. And you do that and you say, God, reign over my present. And we'll find out next week how that will then reign over into your future. But the only thing we have, if you caught that video at the beginning of this, the only thing we have, we can't do anything about the past. It's gone. It's 11.52, according to that clock. 11 o'clock came and went. We can't get it back. We don't know what's going to happen at 12 o'clock. That's eight minutes away. All we have is the here and now. That's why 
my stepfather always would tell me, if the God wills it, we'll go to this place or this place tomorrow. Because we do not know what tomorrow may hold. If I would have told you in December 2019 that a pandemic was going to grip the entire country and the entire world and we were literally shut down for over a year, probably would have looked at me and said, Tim, you're kind of crazy. But it happened. We don't know. Dearly beloved, we do not know. We do not know when Christ will come back again. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me here in just a moment in a very specific way. I want to ask you for you to offer up to God any old patterns, changes your behavior that you know you need to change. Because to change any bad habits, patterns, or behavior, we need to replace it with godly ones. Or we come back and God will give you what you need to change it. I want you to invite you then to receive these changes into your life and trust that God's love will lead you into the future. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourself a living sacrifice. Your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what the will of God is. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? He told us what we need to do. Live your life under the lens of God's mercy. Everything that we receive as a blessing is because of God's mercy. But God's even merciful to those who don't give Him the time of day. He lets it rain on the just and the unjust. His mercy is extending even now to those who are lost, reaching out His hand saying, won't you come back home to me? It's reaching out, out to us who have been following Him for a while, but whatever reasons, we've strayed away. Or maybe He's calling you to a deeper walk. As the book of Hebrews will tell us, to quit taking on milk from a bottle, but now it's time to get into solid meat. Take some solid meat into the deeper things of God. You're saying, well, Tim, I, I didn't go to college, or I'm not a good learner, or I'm not a good... You're going to hear this so many times, you're going to get sick of it, but I cannot stress this enough. God doesn't call the equipped, He equips the call. I'm living proof of it. He's just wondering... If you're going to have what it takes to stand up and to trust Him, not give Him your time or your money, but to really give your heart. When He has that, there's nothing He cannot do in you and through you. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you for your amazing grace, your mercy, your unconditional love. Father, even now, some of us are still struggling with choices to make. From the very small ones to the very big ones. Father, I beg of you, 
reveal, continue to reveal to your people the God that I know that you are. God, can, you can do anything. There's nothing you can't do. Nothing's impossible with you. But although we deserve your wrath and condemnation, you turn to us with love and grace and mercy. Father, let your people know that, not just their minds, but in their hearts. Break every chain, break down every wall, any obstacle that's keeping any of us away from living a life you want us to have. Continue to speak to us, O God. May your spirit continue to move and have his way. And may we be obedient to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just stand with me, please.